1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Hello,
2: welcome to part two of a discussion on finances here on Man Baggage. I'm joined by the brilliant Rob Moore and the brilliant Lindsay Kane. What about this idea, Rob, that it's more expensive to be a woman bear with me i mean they call it pink tax it's not you know i'm not making i'm not like a raging lefty making this up it is more expensive to the same product made for a man is always slightly more expensive for a woman razors all of it tampons mm. everything like that it, that the women need it tends to be purported not that men need tampons well as opposed
3: to the tampons
2: that the men need i <laughs> know uh, i was
4: just thinking that <laughs> listen a few of my
2: mates definitely have monthly cycles miserable <laughs> fuckers and uh sorry no disrespect yeah, actually, a yeah, disrespect to you, Liam. And, uh, but the uh, but what I, what I mean is, it's the, the estimate is that a pink tax costs a woman an additional thirteen hundred a year. Meaning that products advertised as feminine that were available for men, not tampacks obviously, cost more. Yeah. So it's actually more expensive to be female, and these margins make a massive difference. If I'm like when I first started this business, when I was trying to earn like three hundred quid a week, I think I was earning when I started stand up. Things like that made a difference. The cost of living. Made a difference between a a failure and a successful project. 1300s of pounds is like that's more than a month's mortgage. It's double two months' mortgage. Well, it's probably about a month's mortgage now. Thanks, Rishi. I imagine insuring a man is a lot more than insuring a woman.
3: I'm not sure that's in the pink tax because I know what my car insurance is like compared to my wife's. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
2: Five grand. That's because you're going 0 to 60 in <laughs> 1.9 seconds. <Rob>. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that there's
3: probably reverse data, which would probably make that a little bit more balanced. Now, I, I'm a believer mm. that things are the way they are because they're supposed to be the way they are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the way they are based on the differences that we have. And then over time, evolution and fair competition and disruption disrupts out the things that are wrong as society evolves and brings in the things that are new. So a lot of people see this pay gap as a major issue. I don't know. I I know a lot of people aren't going to like me when I say this, but I believe that you are paid what you are worth. And I believe that you are paid in exchange to... The value you produce for society as perceived by also society judging your value. Because some people say, well, why are nurses paid so little? Because society clearly doesn't judge nurses as highly as it does footballers. And society is responsible. So my highest paid staff member is female. And there was very regularly along our journey where many of our senior members were female. And they were paid more than their male senior member equivalents. So if someone is good, they're always going to rise to the top. And if someone wants a more equal opportunity, then there are things they can do now, like read books, go on courses, get information on the internet, listen to podcasts, etc. You know, you read a load of books, Russell, which, you know, obviously improves your information. The reason if you level it out women may generally be paid less than men, it's because they're not quite able to offer as much value because they have the added addition of raising a child and that time out and that risk to the employer. not saying that's right or wrong, but interesting with, with Lindsay, it was the same with my wife. I absolutely said to my wife, if you wanna go and build your career, let's do it. I'll back you everything we need to do, let's do. We are a team, we are a family dynamic. And she said i want to look after our children i don't want to outsource my children i'd rather outsource my business so actually when a lot of women have children they make the choice of their children at the expense of their career which to be quite frank i think is a smart move
4: i only delayed my career by a couple of years because i'm not 100 million percent in you know my last business because i was i was you know spending a lot of time with the daughters but now i've only just delayed it you know i'll get there eventually
2: what about borrowing okay now this is easier to measure men borrow more than women in relation to their income and in relation to what they have the only type of debt where women exceed men guess what student loans that's probably because more women go to university because ironically given everything we said there cleverer than men <laughs> by all, every single that. fucking academic measure you can do anyway that's for another episode so this was done by experian and vanguard not exactly minor players doing this research is this does this come back to the risk question or is there something else going on about status rob help why are men borrowing so much money yeah i think
3: risk is an element and the fact that we are more of a reckless sex so i'd have to look at where is that money being borrowed? Is that money borrowed into starting a business? Is that money borrowed into investing in an asset? Is that money borrowed against depreciating liabilities like cars? And is it getting into bad debt? So I'd have to look at that closely to be able to judge. But I would say higher risk threshold and more reckless sex is
2: probably why that's higher. Linz, I mean, the ele- elephant in the room here as well, I think, if anything's changed in the last 20 years about how people conduct themselves financially with debt and everything else, is social media.
4: Yeah, when I
2: was. Just when I was growing up before the war, um, there was before the COVID war of 2020. All I had to worry about was right number two, number two three seven. He's got an Escort Mark II RS. Oh my god, I'd love to have an RS Turbo one day. Wait a minute, my cousin's leased that. How comes my cousin Natalie's the first one to buy a house? That was enough, man. That was enough fucking pressure. My cousin Natalie, number two four eight, and the and the drug dealer from the school having all the stuff, and me wanting to break the law but not having the courage. That was enough pressure. Now, all I've got to do is switch on my phone and I can see Ramesh having his back waxed by the top back waxer in London <laughs> whilst, before getting on a private jet and then I'm having a bad day. So uh, what role is, not really, that was not really Ramesh, but I'm pretending <laughs> to be one of those people that are. I'm actually quite good at keeping my status reference points, healthy ones. But I'm a massive, massive exception. And social media does not help. I'm only human. And sometimes you switch it on and, you know, Bobby Jangles, who's got a social media channel, thinks, I'll try stand up and has sold like 300,000 tickets. And I'm like, oh, remember what Rob said, society only pays what you're worth. But yeah, I can't. I feel like shit on an emotional level. And maybe I'll take, maybe I would borrow money to promote my social channel idiotically. Or maybe I would do something financially responsible. What role does social media have in changing the way We interact with finances negatively. We'll move on to the positive, people like yourself in a moment, but I'm interested in, is it having a negative impact on the way we conduct ourselves financially?
3: Yes, I think it really is, because we would previously live in a village or a town or a tribe, and we wouldn't really know what it was like to be outside of that, and we wouldn't know what other cultures are like. And we wouldn't really compare ourselves, therefore, to anyone else, And we'd probably make sure we behaved relatively within the rules of the group or the tribe or the village. Otherwise, we get kicked out. And that's bad news. And now all of a sudden, if you imagine you've got a little village, but eight million people have been thrown into that little village. And we're looking at all these different people that we don't really understand and all these different genders and cultures and races and generations with a letter after their name. And it's highly confusing and it's highly overwhelming. So that's one thing because technology moves much faster than evolution does and information flows much faster than evolution does. And, yeah, the thing we have now, which we never really had, was the curse of comparison. Because my only envy came previously if my mate had a better set of trainers or a remote control car. That would be where my envy came from. Your and triggers. now, <laughs> it's everything. Yeah. It's, mm. you know, your lips, your face, your fucking Botox, your clothes, where you are in the world. But it's It's everything. So comparison has now become a curse rather than an aspiration. 20 years ago, all right, my mates got better trainers. I wanna work harder to get better trainers. Now this comparison is, brings up the green-eyed monster and the self-loathing and all of that. And because it's so fucking relentless, like multiple di- times a day we get it. I'm like you, yeah. Russell, I have to check myself and go, wait a minute, this isn't real. Have they posted the truth? Have they Photoshopped it? Careful, that's their mission. This is your mission, stay in your lane. And if you can learn to do that, not be affected by comparing yourself to others, your
2: emotional well-being and your mental health is going to be so much better. Me and Lindsay have both read this book at the same time by Will Storr, which I would recommend to everyone, called The Status Game. Is it a case of working hard to make sure that you're within your correct status group, i.e. you're not playing silly games like logging on to see what Jet Rihanna's on and then having a shit day because you're on... Avanti. Do you know what I mean? It's like, actually, these are my friends I grew up with. We're all, we've, yeah, some of us have done better than others, but we've all got each other's backs and just keep it sir, that circle correct. You could even play it more cynically and make sure the pond stays slightly too small for you. We know plenty of people are, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with staying in a smaller status pond, comparison pond, psychologically speaking?
3: I think it depends, Russell, on our individual leanings and the things we struggle with. If you really struggle with your mental health because you're always comparing yourself to other people and feeling shit about where you are in your life, that being the big goldfish in in the little cellophane (laughs) may be a good thing. But actually, in entrepreneurship, we all talk about you want to be the, the least wealthy person in the boardroom because then you're learning from all the, you know, I'd rather have 11 billionaires than little old Rob than me be the big fish, because I'm going to learn and grow more from the billionaires. So it depends how you can contextualise it. So I've learned to look at people who are more successful. Instead of going, you're a better person, you're more worthy. I just go, you're more experienced and you've learned how to make more money than me. Oh, but I've got A, B and C as well and I'm going to
2: learn from you. And, Linz, from a female point, well, there's two ways. Obviously, you've got the same shit that men have got. The girl, you know, the female entrepreneur who's doing this, that, and the other has got the sports car and the handbags, which I imagine is the same for girls as it is for boys. But isn't there this slightly bizarre thing of women presenting the wealthy male and they're in the background like that, enjoying the wealthy shit with them? That's a bizarre one that I see on social media a lot.
4: Yeah, no, 100%. It's you see, you see it all the time.
3: Well, status is one of our measurables, isn't it? It's something that we... We can measure against others and we can get our like, recognition and importance is a very high human need. And so whether it's your husband or your jet or your business or your watch or your holiday or here's the thing, the flex that isn't a flex. I bust a lot of people Do look at my car that isn't expensive. Yeah, you're just bragging about the fact that you haven't bought an expensive car, but you could.
2: Yes. Yeah. Inverted status. Inverted game. Exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. all about comparison to other humans. Um, I haven't read
2: this book, so I'll have to do more research on Oh, he's oh, so interesting. Amazing. Will, all Will Storrs books are bangers. He's, he's, a, he's a, a proper qualified psychologist. You know, he's not just like taking it up as a writing hobby. He fucking knows his shit. They're all amazing. The Status Game and Selfie, which is what we're talking about, which is how our brains have changed since we started performing our emotions into phones. Both bangers, read them together. Status game and selfie. A good brace of homework reading. Sorry, Linz.
4: But Louis The on the Stephen Bartlett CEO podcast, he was talking about how, you know, he could afford a watch, but he's quite happy with his Casio and he has two just in case he loses one. So it's that playing the fact that he could afford it but he's choosing not still to. That within itself is still is still. still a, a flex, Louis. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still I'm still letting you know that I could afford it, but I'm not doing it. So it
0: is uh, interesting. You know isn't why it?
2: that is. It- He's, we all know his money doesn't jiggle jiggle it fault, so he doesn't <laughs> <need> to come
0: imagine <laughs> <laughs>
1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: One last question on social media because we'll have to be brief because I want to squeeze in a quick bit on relationships at the end. But what about the dangerous social media trend of pushing financial things that idiots like me don't understand? I don't, I don't, I'm sure I could have made money from crypto I'd love, I thought a fungible was something you you know got medicine for or grew under a sink that was damp. And you get blokes like Danny the Tyler talking about his non-fungible token and then a few months later he's fucked. It seems to be like there's an online feeding frenzy of people getting involved in financial things they don't know anything about. And I would even, something I dabble in on the side, it's my retirement plan property. A lot of people get sucked into that, not really understanding. It's a very high risk thing to do. So to social media, is it dangerous with these things as well? It provides as much information as it provides as many traps, right? Yeah, I I think
3: that's exactly it, Russell, because essentially over the ages, the exchange of information has got faster and faster and faster and faster. And as it increases that speed and reduces the friction, there are many upside benefits in that you could learn what might take you 12 years. In one year, you can accelerate your earning capacity you can learn about different cultures. You could essentially get around and learn about the planet much quicker. But the downside is, with that flow of useful information at that speed, comes the flow of the shit information at that speed as well. Like when trains were, you know, rail was laid because steel production was scaled. Then, as rail was laid through scaled production of ski- steel, then you had railway, and railway increased our speed of travel to the benefit. It also dramatically increased robberies. Because obviously the robbers could get on the train and rob the train and get from city to city much quicker to rob the towns and the cities. This is normal. People look at these scams like, oh, they've never happened before. And it's because of social media and it's really bad, but actually it's just evolution because there's an equal upside benefit. What I would say to people is this, it's really simple. Number one, don't try and get rich too fucking quick. Try and get rich long, slow, and for sure. Number one. Just like lovemaking. Number two. If you're going to invest in something risky, invest an amount of money you can afford to lose. So if you get rich long, not get rich quick, and you can invest an amount of money you can afford to lose, then you are protected. So you can't really blame anyone else who's selling you a load of shit if you fell for it by giving them all your money. Give
2: them 5% of your money. Lens, what do you think the rise of people that seem to be overly qualified in things overly quickly? I mean, there were some bullshit artists when I was growing up, but these days, you've only got to go onto your Instagram or your Facebook, and there's obviously we've got our vaccine experts, our Brexit experts, our Russo-Ukrainian political experts, all of those, but also financial experts. They'll be like, I can remember you when you used to sell fucking pickled eggs down the pub. How are you a Bitcoin expert? Or 17-year-olds on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember
4: I saw someone recently uh, post, he's like a business coach. So he used to rent from someone that I know. And they were like, he never used to pay his rent. He used to, you fuck up, and, and but he'd have a really expensive car outside the rented house. So I've seen a lot of his stuff, and and I've seen him share, like, you know, I- I'm earning this amount of money now, but this is what it used to be like for me. For years, I used to rent my dad's box room, and I'd pay this a month, and then you know, But basically, he wasn't being honest about what he used to do, uh, but he's telling all these lies to get customers to come to him, but actually he's not transparent of where he's come from mm-hmm. and how he's got to where he's got. So if mm-hmm. I didn't know that personal bit that I really shouldn't know, I would think, oh, my God, he's done so well, he's successful, but actually he's not being very transparent.
2: Brilliant example of uh, of, of of social media being a snapshot, a trailer rather than the full film. I'm sure we could talk about that for ages. I've got to just talk about relationships, because all very well are saying, well, we should talk about finances. Why should it be embarrassing? Meanwhile, there are a lot of single men who want to be successful on a date and then into the bedroom. And if you start getting out an Excel spreadsheet on the first date, they're going to think you've got some sort of disorder rather than an openness about your finances. That said, when it comes to financial literacy, it is an attractive quality in a partner. But how do you play it in a new Relationship because if you're on a guy, particularly a guy in your 20s, and you're going out on a date with a girl, and you're like, Well, we could go for a wild night at the nightclub, but I have exceeded my spending targets for this, mate. Your night is over. (laughs) But yet, once you get into a relationship, a guy that isn't skin and does know when to stop can be attractive. It's very confusing for men to know how to play. I know I'm simplifying it to make a joke, but I promise you, a lot of guys just end up frozen with sort of date paralysis. Not knowing the correct financial conduct in those initial weeks of courtship, Lindsay, help us out. What is attractive? Financial literacy, or a guy that goes "fuck it, man, we'll pay for it next I think week"? It's a Champagne bit of both, spray. isn't it? It is a complete. <laughs> it boat. can't it's... be both.
4: Listen, listen, listen. I've got an interesting story. I'll try and say it really quick. I've got a friend who says that she's a feminist, but she's like, you know, loves having the doors open for and all these different things, and loves being paid for. And, um, I said, all right. Okay. So if your husband who you've been with said, we need to go halves on the first meal, would you have gone on a second date? I was just having a conversation. Like I wouldn't have been bothered either way. It's her opinion, but she would not answer the question. She was offended that I was questioning her. Like the fact that she's a full blown feminist. She, she was offended of me asking that question. And I was like, I'm not, I'm I'm not trying to get into an argument. I'm just literally asking a question. You're, you're preaching that you're a feminist." And you can't answer the question of if your husband asked you to go 50-50 on the first meal, would you have gone on a second date? She just couldn't answer the question. Still to this day, I don't know the answer to that.
2: <laughs> it's brilliant. We just, watched, we, we just watched a brilliant film. It's in the cinemas at the moment. Go and see it called The Triangle of Sadness. It's a bit arty, but it is funny. It's all about wealth. The journey starts on a yacht with all the rich people. They get shipwrecked and all the value system inverts. It's, it's fascinating because it goes back to who can catch fish, who can be the shelter. So all of a sudden, the, wealth, the meaning of wealth is in fact. Brilliant, brilliant film. But the first scene of the film is before the, the a voyage on the yacht's even been conceived of, and it's a couple who have a massive, explosive argument in the early days of dating because he's been waiting now for four dates for her to go halves on the bill. The bill keeps coming down, and he's turning away from it, and every time his finger goes near it, she's like, "Oh, thanks, yeah, <laughs> it's like your pay." So Rob, come on, you seem to have all the answers on the finances, but you're on a date, you're single. What is the right bloody thing to do? This question has come up under so many different topics. And you've got 50% of women would want to split the bill, 50% don't. So as a man, what the fuck should you gamble on?
3: Okay, so I'm told, because I've thrown this out onto my social media pages as a question, and of course the piranhas (laughs) have come in and had their nibbles. I'm told that the person who asks the other person out on a date should be the one to pay but that might more be seen if we're doing men versus women to be the man more than the woman. I maybe would take the opposite view of your feminist friend. So on the first date, I would sit with my hands in my pockets when the bill came out to watch the reaction. Because if they're testing (laughs) me, then I'm testing them. That
2: is so sexy. (laughs) I bet women are masturbating listening to this story. (laughs) Yeah, well, thankfully I'm (laughs) married, otherwise I clearly would never get a date again. (laughs) Um,
3: But just just like a woman might want to test to see if a man can provide, a man might want to test that he's not getting some gold digger. So if they're not prepared to even make the gesture to go Dutch on the bill, I might let that get away once on the first date if I ask them out. The second date is Dutch. And if they're expecting me to pay on the second, then I'm seriously going to evaluate that myself. Now, you've also got to look at how they order. If they expect you to pay and they're buying the most expensive shit on the menu every fucking time, I'm going to send them to Russell on a third date. They can go yeah. over there. Because I don't, I don't want to know. Now, let's say you've been courting and there's been this little bit of a dance, but you've figured it out. A good way to do it moving forward once you've gone beyond the initial dating is pay based on what you earn. So it's not fair if I earn a million a year and my potential partner, man or woman or other, earns 20 grand a year that we go halves on everything. So I would pay maybe four out of every five as we traverse from the initial dating into the more serious parts of the relationship. And I thought that that that's quite a smart move. It's a fair move.
2: Fair. And we are out of time, but in a in a word, the initial question about financial literacy being a sexually attractive quality. We know it's attractive in a couple that are about to get married and settle down. Of course, you want your woman to be financially literate, your women, you want your men. We're not talking about that. We're talking about these single men now whose ears are now craning into their listening device. Is it attractive or is it nerdy? Why is it that Darren who spunks his money on Coke on the fourth day of the holiday is getting laid more? than Liam. Is he though. Yes Lindsay he fucking is. <laughs> I know because I took a Henry James novel on holiday and I went, I went home with Euros and I didn't even kiss a girl.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more attractive for a man to give the appearance that he has the status and the finances to provide for a woman and if you're too nerdy about your finances it actually has the opposite effect where you
2: come across like a bit of a skin flint, therefore you maybe can't provide. Ah.
4: And shit in the bedroom.
2: And shit in the bedroom. Hold on, then. Yeah. So you translate someone who's a financial nerd to be shit. Surely, if I'm financial nerd, I'm going to pay full detail to every aspect <laughs> of the sexual procedure, as I like to call it even starting a clock to, to demonstrate full value no
4: exactly i just think you know i don't know i, I i'll be shot down by all the feminists but i
2: go on do I, it. No, but
4: I i i like the fact that on the first meal you were you were like I let me get this out but you did ask me out so you know
2: exactly yeah
4: you know you were earning more than me so it's like so lindsay okay, thank you on, on the second
3: it. and the third dates
2: did you start
3: to offer to pay or pay some
4: I think I did, but I... We, did.
2: we didn't We did leave the house. I just went down to the kitchen to refuel. Oh,
4: shut <laughs> up. I think I did. I did. I did. No, I did offer, and Ross, and so I did. So in the early stages of our relationship, just to remind you, Ross, that you obviously <laughs> used it. If, if Russell gets a bit of time off, like a weekend here, a weekend there... He'd be like, Oh, should we go get a cheap flight to Paris and we'll go to Paris for the night or go to Amsterdam for the night? Anywhere we could get a cheap flight, but like, let's go, let's do it. I've got two nights off. And so we, I did that a couple of times. And then he started asking me, Oh, should we go on this trip? And I'd be like, Do you know what? I actually can't afford to do this. So I was like, You know, I just feel a bit. And I did, you remember having this conversation with me? I was like, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable going on all these holidays because I can't afford it and you were like no 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 I I want to take you I can you know I, I want to take you and so we did have that oh conversation whether you believe me or not or you remember it it did, no, happen, I did Then after me saying it once and it was like, no, no, then we've never spoken about
2: it since. (laughs) And then I dropped so many carrots on her she couldn't even raise her hand. Oh, shut up. That was the end of that. Shut up. Right, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. I'm off to put my Casio watch on. Uh, (laughs) So thank you. Thank you very much, Rob Moore. Amazing. I could listen to you all bloody day. Uh, Loads of... You know what I love about Rob is you get an answer but you actually get a concrete thing you can do rather than some wanky phrase you can put on a square. So thank you, Rob. Brilliant, direct answer. Thank you very much, Lindsay, for being awesome. Thanks for offering to pay for that trip to Vienna. I forgot about that. Uh, If you've come here as fans of either of the two, please hang around, hit subscribe, make a long-term, sustainable commitment to a podcast that you can trust. (laughs) I've been Russell Kane. Goodbye.
0: (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?